0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Cooper. Hopefully you're all staying safe, keeping your family safe and healthy and getting through during these crazy-ass times we're dealing with with COVID-19. A lot of topics we're going to touch on today with Jesse James, the representative from the 68th District of the great state of Wisconsin. He will join us on Episode 53 in just a bit. But first, a thanks to our sponsors, Midwest Meals and MidwestMeals.com. Still open, still delivering nationwide. They have 13 rotating meals They're all delicious. They all have the macros on them, so you're getting the counts that you need to try to stay healthy during all of this. I know everything is out of whack. At least try to keep the meal prep on point. Midwest Meals will take care of you. MidwestMeals.com is the website. The promo code is Cooper at checkout for 10% off your first order. Get it in by Friday. They ship nationwide on Mondays. And if you're local, of course, you can go and pick up at their store there in the East Ridge. Also brought to you by Violent Gentlemen Hockey Club. Enforce social distancing. Check out that line online at violentgentleman.com. Promo code Cooperville15. You get 15% off that order at violentgentleman.com. They get all sorts of cool stuff. If you're missing, uh, missing the hockey because the season got cut short due to COVID 19, well, you can still wear your gear with pride and wear it with attitude with Violent Gentlemen. Violentgentlemen.com. And Monster Energy. Rain Body Fuel. Where would I be without you both? It's uh, it's tough to say uh, because that is what gets me through the afternoons and uh, sometimes some late evenings as uh, you know, nobody's living a life routine right now. It's all kind of out of whack and we're trying to do the best we can. Little bit of Monster Ultra Zero. That's what helps me through the afternoon. Rain Body Fuel, of course, for that pre-workout goodness. You got to get on it. Find it at your local grocer and convenience store. They're still open. Get them. Enjoy them. Hashtag Monster Podcasts. As promised, uh, my longtime friend and uh, and current representative of the sixty eighth district of the great state of Wisconsin, Mister Jesse James, is on the podcast. We cover so many topics in this one; it is uh, it's fantastic. A lot of education, a lot of things learned, and uh, since we're all going through the same stuff, he's got some uh, some great pointers and great insight as to uh, what's going on down in Madison with the state, and also you know I think can be applied nationwide. We're all kind of going through it at the same time. Jesse James. My guest on episode 53 of the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. It starts right
1: now. Welcome to Cooperville. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast. Subscribe, get updates, feel better about your life. Welcome to Cooperville.com. Check, 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 one, check, check. Welcome to
0: Cooperville. Make sure you use a Coaster. It is the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. It is episode number 53, joined by Jesse James, not the outlaw, not the fine purveyor of whiskey and rock and roll, but Assemblyman Jesse James. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Very well, very well. Thanks, Cooper. Glad to be here.
0: It's great to have you on. Jesse and I go back uh, several years now uh, from the sprawling metropolis of Altoona, Wisconsin. Uh, He used to stand outside of my kid's school and uh, make sure that the the Younglets got in safely, uh, with the fire department as the chief, uh, and kind of made made the pivot several years back to uh, going to politics.
1: Yeah, it's it's been it's been a quick quick uh, ride so far.
0: Now I didn't know you before; um, uh, you were already kind of the the chief of everything uh, when I moved here. Well, I, yeah, it was, it's been almost ten years, I think. Uh, but when we started to get to know each other obviously you were in in that position but but before that what was uh what was kind of your rise to uh, getting into police fire like what, what did you were you a like I look at my kid and I, I see him at now 10 years old and he's I'm like some sort of computer genius like he'll be helping me figure out how the next wave of digital uh, things work so he's he's it seems like from a young age he has some sort of direction now I think we all know that at some point, that can be derailed. I think that's called the teenage years, and and things can, things can take uh, take a turn. Hey, I, I was I was uh, you know dead set on going to Notre Dame and playing football when I was uh, when I was his his age. That didn't quite work out as uh, as expected at that time. But was was you know being a part of uh, you know kind of the emergency response was that something that you recall from a young age being something that you wanted to pursue?
1: Um, no, actually, I wanted to be a garbage man. Oh, um, same, same, you know, a
0: service in the service industry. You wanted to help serve the people.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it was after my, my time in the army. Mm-hmm. And when I became a reservist, I, uh, was trained in the medical field. And I think that's where my passion grew in um, trying to, uh, learn more about the medical portion of serving people and helping them get better. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's some challenges in my, my youth years, my young adult years, um, with, uh, you know, some law issues and stuff. And I was actually, um, told that I, I was a loser and that I would never amount to anything. Mm -hmm. And um, I, at that point, uh, my son was coming to this world and I had to make a decision on what was I gonna do. And I wanted to have a position that would provide uh, health benefits, a retirement plan, looking towards the future. So I decided to pursue law enforcement. And um, with the, the medical background already and then the law enforcement training that I went through, uh, I was blessed to get a position as a cop, Mm -hmm. um, started my career in Spring Valley and um, moved on to Elmwood and Altoona. So all three Mm -hmm. of those agencies I worked for at one point um, in time. And that was around September uh, 2001 is when I finally started with Altoona. Mm -hmm. And then December of 2002, I was offered a full-time position with Altoona and I graciously accepted that position and that's what started my law enforcement career um at that point october of 13 as i w- rose through the ranks of the altoona police department is when i became the chief mm-hmm. and that took on the fire and ems portion on, as well as the police um side of things so that's when everything really took off education wise right. becoming the fire chief and ems world and just serving in um you know that's still where my heart is today. I, I still have uh, some law enforcement going on, and I still um, uh, have a passion to serve in the EMS capacity, responding to the medical service calls. So um, it's still a part of me today.
0: I want to talk about you know being in Altoona because uh, I I spent time here as a youth. Youth like I, I moved a lot when I was a kid, but always always in Wisconsin. But I remember spending uh, a, several years here. Uh, at a very young age and always, you know, Eau Claire was always like the, the place, like nobody was like, Oh, Altoona is not like the destination. Like, it's not like we're not, you're not coming here to hang out, but it seems like, and, and you were, you were a a part of this and got to witness it from, you know, a law enforcement perspective, but over the last, even you know, longer than a decade, you know, this town has gone from, you know, kind of a small suburb of, of, uh, semi-metropolitan area, I guess, if you want to classify Eau Claire as that, to kind of this extremely rapid growth rate, uh, a lot of construction, a lot of uh, industry, a lot of additions uh, in the medical field, a lot of additions in, um, you know, the whole River Prairie development that that went in and, and was built up over the last several years. I mean, I remember driving that road that you could take out, like, out into the town of Seymour, past the old quick trip, like, eons ago. And it was, you know, there was nothing out there. And now you have this, this budding community. And obviously there's, uh, even through the, through all of this that we're going through right now, there's, there's continuing development that's happening here. And there's businesses that are coming in to this, uh, to this area. You know, uh, first part of that question, our uh, first part of the question would be, you know, from a, uh, law enforcement perspective, when you were, you know, in that position, you know, what is that, what is that kind of transition like? Because it, it does seem like it was rapid from kind of a, a real, real small community to kind of, you know, a, a budding epicenter of a lot of things that are going on.
1: Yeah, I I joked a lot um, with city officials about River Prairie and, mm. and said the only thing that that doesn't have out there is its own zip code <laughs> uh, because it's really a, a city inside of a city if right. you think about it. Um, it's its own entity. Um, and you know, when you have that kind of growth and development that's happening in Altoona, um, there's a lot of good that comes with it, mm-hmm. but then there's also some bad as well. And, um, I, I, the time that I spent in the public safety world within the city of Altoona, the elected officials and our city administrator, the mayor, they, they did a, a decent job Looking at the impacts of the growth and um, development, and the calls for service that increased, mm-hmm. um, and being able to adapt to that that dramatic change, and I mean it's still going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not. I'm not saying it was all glorious, right? But there was growing pains involved in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, obviously I've been out of the, the chief world for a little while. And, um, I'm, I'm pleased with what I've been seeing with the additional, uh, you know, being at full capacity within the law enforcement mm-hmm. agency and chief renderman with the fire department has done a phenomenal job with the growth there. And, um, you know, we're, adjusting and constantly adapting to the, the growing that's taking place in the city of Altoona. And I, I applaud the efforts because you have to have that vision and foresight um, moving forward yeah. and taking care of your people. It's about serving the community. I mean, the taxpayers are the ones that pay um, their dues to provide mm-hmm. the services that the city of Altoona offers and, and, mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a, a duty to provide the best services um, to our citizens, and I, I know that's a that's a huge um, part of the mission of the city of Altoona, and, and I, I greatly appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it seems like the uh, and, and I, I reckon to when the the new school went up, the new elementary school went up, and uh, you know location location is always going to be a question mark when you're when you're dealing with. Uh, a city that's that that, that sits the way it sits. You know, there's not, there's not like an ideal spot, but to have it out where the location of the school is um, and, and have it not really be fully accessible for, for bikes and for, you know, really safe school uh, walk from walking distance for kids that could walk out uh, to the school out there um, having to either, either walk along the railroad tracks, which isn't a good idea. Kids don't do that. <laughs> I, no, please don't. I, I make sure. I had to make sure to tell my son, you know, repeatedly after driving to school. I'm like, don't go that way. Whatever happens, like that's that's bad. But right. um, but it, it did seem like you know within within the course of a year uh, to two years that, that that problem was taken care of. So it seems like um, some of the issues that that I know you and I have discussed. Uh, that I think we even discussed that that very issue at one point, standing outside of the school. Um, but the the response uh, was that that issue was taken care of and the road was redone and obviously uh, the pass out there and I and I can't as as a runner I can't say enough about how uh, about the if you're into being outdoors and, and walking or running or biking I mean this city has done an amazing job of of a trail system that uh, that really can take you to some beautiful spots so a lot of the things that uh, uh, have been you know have been addressed or have been brought up seemingly they're 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 tended to which um, which I guess. Is is a vote of confidence for for those who are making those kind of decisions.
1: Yep, yeah, agreed one hundred percent. And you know the partnership with our our local railroad unit Pacific is instrumental in mm-hmm. providing the safety security for the students out at the new elementary school, and um, continuously working with them and improving whatever efforts we can, mm-hmm. such as creating municipal ordinance to um, try and educate and prevent those that were using the rail as a, uh, a quicker way to get down to the beach. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, there's a lot of autom- uh, automated processes that goes on in that rail yard, and a lot of people don't understand that. But um, it's re- literally remote-controlled trains. Yeah. And they can move things at a moment's notice, and we definitely didn't want our public, uh, adults and kids alike, mm-hmm. getting hurt. Um, plus, the, the shifting of the tracks, the, the movement. I mean, people. There's literally been people in other areas that have had their their feet and um, legs broken because they're caught in between the tracks when they start to move. So, right. that, that that we just have to, you know, it's about the safety and security of our community.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there as. Uh... As the the fire chief, chief of police, city of and a budding community, I think at one point I thought I read a statistic. it was it was the top, if not the top one, it was in the top three of uh, fastest growing uh, regions in in the state. I mean it was it was growing at a clip and um, so you have this uh, this dual position. like what, what are you sitting at home one day and you're going, you know? all this responsibility is great, but you know what I'd like? I would like more. I would, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe having a little less free time, uh, but maybe having more of an impact is something I would like to pursue. Like when, how does the decision-making process go from, uh, you know, from, you know, leading the, uh, the safety services of, 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 a budding community to, you know, stepping into the political arena? Well,
1: that's, that's a good question. Um, and one that i have no no hesitation in sharing um my this journey literally began january of 2000 for me Mm. my first visit to the state capitol in madison was one that i'll never forget and um when i entered the rotunda uh, a little voice inside my head said one day you will be here Mm -hmm. and um that grew with me as time progressed and my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, um, I shared this story with her and then um, time took its toll and even even my boss, um, Mike Golot, knew that this was part of a future dream of mine mm-hmm. because he asked, you know, where do you see yourself in so many years and he knew that one day that this was something that I was going to pursue. So March of 2018 when um Terry Moulton Senator Terry Moulton announced his retirement and a few hours later uh, Kathy Bernier announced that she was running for his Senate seat that opened up the 68th assembly district mm-hmm. and at that point um, a lot of quiet time and, and prayer and um, foundational growing of the the, the foundation itself um, we needed to see if it was something that would be feasible and possible and sure enough, things just started falling into place, and I thought, well, now is the time to to do it, and um, it was pretty clear and convincing that it was the perfect time, Mm -hmm. and we just, we went for it, and obviously, the the, the people believed in me, and um, the relationships that I've developed through the 68th Assembly District um, have been amazing Mm -hmm. prior to even announcing that I was going to run. Uh, so, it, it was an exciting time, um, something brand new, and it's it truly is about, this position is about serving the people. So, it's not so much um, arresting them and having the, the negative contacts or um, the educational purposes that are available through the public safety world, the same it is available in this world. Right. Um, it, it, there is a lot of correlation into this position and I just don't take anybody to jail. Um, <laughs> in fact, I think I'm more subjected to um, things like the profanity mm-hmm. and threats and because I receive them already um, within my office and, um, it's a little more scary being in this role than mm-hmm. it was being the chief. So yeah. um, it, it, people can, people get really heated about the, the term politics. Right. So,
2: yeah.
1: Um, but it's, it's, it's about public servant. Mm-hmm. I, I look at myself as a servant and any way that I can help people. Um, that's the way I look at this opportunity and I'm taking advantage of it.
0: I remember uh, chatting with you as you were going through the uh, the campaign process, um, and, and knowing that that's that's a, a, a whole different arena outside of you know the the day to day that you deal with now as a, as an elected official. Uh, by the way, my kid uh, would not, still has not to this day allowed us to throw away your campaign sign. It's in his room still. Grayson's the best. To this I love day, that kid. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I love Jesse. You know, we we. We're like neighbors, like three, four houses, that direction. But I'm like, I'm, I'm sure he'll have new ones. You know, we could, yep. you know, probably. Absolutely. No, no, that thing, that thing is stayed. Like we've had I to, love it. we use it, we use it as a bartering tool. Sometimes you're like, Hey, well, you could get rid of this old toy. You know, we could donate this or the, get rid of this toy. I don't even, I don't even like this toy anymore. So it, it holds, it holds clout uh, with him. So he's pretty excited, but so you go through the, um, you go through the campaign process, uh, and win and, and end up, uh, in Madison. What is the, you know, you you kind of talked about how, how heated people can get just simply by the word politician, uh, and politics. I think it's got, it seems like maybe, I want to say now more than ever, because I'm sure 1776 was probably an iffy time to be, uh, uh, a political leader and having to make choices for a, a new country, but it's a, it's a, it's a strange time to be, uh, to be in politics. But some of the things you've had to deal with are, um, are unlike any other that many have had to deal with. I mean, even us as, as citizens are, uh, are currently obviously dealing with some stuff, but you know, for you going through, uh, being in Madison, having a voice, uh, being able to be the voice of the people of the 68th, um, you know, what are some of the challenges, uh, on the day to day that you face, um, uh, in, in trying to, I was watching a YouTube video a video that you put out on Facebook the other day that, you know, a lot of this is about our future and our children's future and our grandchildren's future. And what is, what is this area, the state look like in, in X amount of years. Um, but I imagine that you face, uh, daily challenges, even now, not being, you know, being able to be in Madison, but when you were down there, is it, is every day kind of, uh, is there ever a coast day? Do you get like a, ah, today's going to be good. We're just going to get up and do the thing, and then we're going to be done, then we're going to have some dinner, and then we're going to – is there <laughs> any days like that, or is it all like, oh, this today?
1: Well, it's it's very similar to, to going to work uh, in the public safety world. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know what to expect. right? And you have you know the planned events that take place, and I'm going to speak more towards the Madison – um, when I'm down there, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's just constant. You literally, um, uh, myself going down there, you can put in 10, 12 hour days mm-hmm. easily with the hearings that go on. It's just constant learning and there's things that can happen at a, at a moment's notice and you're adjusting your schedule. Um, there's meetings that can come in at the last minute and, um, you're trying to multitask so much where you can be up in, in a hearing and then you have constituents down in your office that want to see you and talk with you. So you're walking out of the hearings mm-hmm. to, to go to meet with the people. Anybody that comes down to Madison from the Chippewa Valley, um, it is my goal that if they're taking the time to come and talk with me mm-hmm. and I'm in Madison, I will be there. And I will take the time out. I will leave the hearings and you miss important information, in the hearings, but you have to weigh it. And the people that are traveling the three hours to come to talk with me about issues in our area, I will take the time. I will make the time to see them. I think that's critically important as a new legislator. Um, And just the learning process, it is such a learning curve and literally drinking from the fire hose and it's they're just nonstop Mm -hmm. action. I mean, you can make it what you want to make it. You can be as busy as you want to be. And that's why, I I mean, it's a blink of an eye and I can't believe that the time has gone by this fast already. Mm -hmm. And with that much, um, like a blink of an eye and that just tells me that, I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast doing this. I have a blast learning because you're never done. I have a blast helping the people and bringing their bills forward to Mm -hmm. making it into legislation and passing it into law. That's what it's about. And that's what I love doing. And I purposely tie names to all these bills Mm -hmm. because that helps me remember as a legislator because I'm not – everybody can say, oh, well, you have Assembly Bill 443 out there. And I'm like, okay, can you refresh my memory? Because I don't really know what that is. Mm -hmm. So I have to tie something to it. And I've always done that my whole life with Mm -hmm. my kids' soccer team. I'd always come up with nicknames and stuff like that because that helps me remember um, things. And when I tie names to it, it makes it more personal because that's your tie to your people back at home Mm -hmm. when you're down in Madison, creating this legislation and then getting it to the assembly floor passing it, getting it over to the Senate, hopefully passing it, and then getting it to the governor's desk for a signature. So that's the ultimate goal. And that's what brings me glory and satisfaction um, because it makes – I think that's one of the criteria that can be used to evaluate my work as as their representative in Madison and being their voice.
0: You know, I think we all came into 2020 uh, expecting uh, – Every time there's a new year, you always have expectations. You know, whatever your your thoughts about the previous year was—if um, it was highly successful, if uh, it, it brought new new challenges—you know, anytime you go through a, the new year changes over, you're like, "This is the year." And anytime you add that and an election year, uh, from uh, from a country standpoint, and everybody knew this one was going to be kind of wild and and. Everybody was preparing. I think we started to get some of the uh, the early glimpses of of the vibe that was going to be in the political field on a national level uh, early on in 2020. Um, Nobody expected 2020 to be what 2020 is, and it has been. uh, It's a weird it's a weird time to be alive. When when you we really have done one major thing has happened. Is that the entire world is on this level playing field right now? Uh, any walk of life, uh, any social status, any uh, how much money anybody makes, it feels like everybody's kind of on this. Well, yeah, well we're we're all kind of stuck together. And you know when when the COVID nineteen thing started, and uh, and it was kind of a uh, a tertiary thing it was kind of on the outside and we were like oh well something crazy happened overseas like that's pretty normal we're used to seeing crazy things happen overseas and and kind of looking at it from afar and then when it started to trickle into uh, into the states and um it it became it 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 was weird because it did what a lot of other big things do is it was overseas and it was like oh and then it was on the coast and you know we're we're Midwesterners. We're like, oh, it's on the coast, or it's oh, it's on the east coast, or it's on the, you know, we kind of feel like we're in you know our own little secluded bubble here uh, with a lot of things, just because you know we're we're a different breed. You know, we we can survive really anything. You know, give us sixty below wind chills, we're like, okay, I guess add another layer, and we'll go outside and and shovel or snow blow, and and we just we kind of we kind of roll with things. Um, but when it started to really uh, infiltrate uh, on a global scale and really hit home, uh, when they started closing down the schools and small businesses and uh, and businesses uh, in general, you know, it really became a weird, a weird time. And every day you'd wake up and things would change uh, nationally. Things would change locally, uh, which you couldn't, couldn't do uh, would change um, from here you know, from from you and I'll talk to uh, talk to husband and dad Jesse. Um, what were your first uh, first thoughts as as you know as a dad as a husband uh, when your family has to go through these things? When you know the kids can't go to school and uh, can't see their friends and their and no after school activities. When you even though uh, you know spending time in Madison, but also spending time at home, you don't have that. Outlet, and you're not you're not going, you know, down to work, you know. What was the, what was kind of the, one of the major adjustments that you guys had to make, or what was that time like for you uh, from the dad, husband chair uh, when this first thing kind of took full effect?
1: Um, there's there's a lot of times when I'll wake up in the morning thinking, am I really in the twilight zone? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really. Th- I'm trying to process and say, is this really real right now? Is this really what we're going through? And um, because our quote unquote normal was taken away from us. And um, I, I think the biggest battle was with the, the extreme limitations and restrictions of what we could and could not do and trying to, um adapt to the new normal that exists today Mm -hmm. um it it comes with hurdles you're you try and feel things out um try to do the best that you can with your children um while we have our one allison and you know getting her through the the virtual um, meetings and education that's online now and I'm not a technology guy by any means. So um, thank God my wife's with me. I think that was planned on purpose because um, she helps her get the, the school stuff. And then mm-hmm. the tests that we're doing, I mean, basically we're homeschooling our kids yeah. and um, that's the, the new normal in um, being, you know, that you want to look out for the health and safety of your entire family because, you know, I have a daughter, uh, my oldest daughter is pregnant right now and mm. our our first granddaughter should be here around May 14th, sooner, give or take a week or days or whatever. Right. Um, and then making sure uh, that we're keeping her healthy and her family and her husband healthy. And then, you know, cause we'd have family dinners on Sunday nights and, you know, we put a kibosh to those in the beginning. We Well, I think... In, in our opinion, in the, as a family, I think my wife and my daughter ended up having this potent, this COVID-19, and I'd love them to go and get that test that mm. um, says that they did have it, because we traveled to Texas and then came back up through Chicago when all that the Chicago was happening. Mm. Um, the cases were happening there. So it's been a real eye-opener in trying to just backtrack and understand what we need to do as human beings and really battle this virus that's taking everybody out and enforcing yeah. decisions that people aren't always going to agree with a hundred percent. There's never ever going to be a decision that's made regardless um, that's going to satisfy everybody and sometimes we have to make those tough decisions. I also have my mom lives with us so her health conditions also impact the family and who comes over if the, you know, the kids come over and they're working some of the kids they're still working and expose the public and so we have to protect our own homes and make sure that um, everybody is protected and we try and limit any kind of uh, contamination spread of this this virus so um there's some hard, difficult decisions. It really it sucks to say kids no, don't come over and um, you know, what do you do? I, I mean, we have these times with our family. I mean, our time here is so short and I think this is just going to reprioritize things in people's lives and um, realizing how much family means to them and um, how exciting it will be to be able to get back to those Sunday night family dinners where my table's full with all my kids and we're laughing and joking and, mm-hmm. you know, having some sarcastic conversations and picking on each other and, you know, just having fun again. Cause, you know, right now is not so much fun.
0: Yeah. I think there's, um, it really, even things that you like didn't do on a normal basis, things that I didn't do on a normal basis. Like we didn't, we didn't really go out a whole lot, you know. And like, oh, let's go grab a beer, or let's go, uh, you know, out to dinner, yeah, once in a while and stuff. But, um, you know, obviously I've been big into the, the the concert and music arena for for two decades uh, when I was in radio, and even now outside of radio. Um, so I see the effect that it's had on on venues and on musicians and uh and really behind the 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 people behind the screen of the musicians all the the crews that go and all the techs and all the truck drivers and all the bus drivers and you know so that that arena um the concert's being canceled and uh you know from a from the dad's standpoint you know having to like you said basically learn how to homeschool um in a, in an ever changing uh, homeschool arena. Cause it seems like even a Altoona has done a great job. I mean, I've, I've talked to parents from other communities and um, you know, some are really behind the curve, some are doing it in, in what to me would seem like a more challenging way, but it seems like uh, Altoona in the school district has done a, has done a great job of uh, the best. I think the best that you can do given the circumstances of getting some curriculum out and, and um, but I mean, I have a, a hyperactive 10 year old who knows the tech, you know, and knows and has a YouTube channel and, and, and is into, you know, crazy things. And, um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's much more of a challenge to, uh, to try to keep them focused where I think when they're in an environment where, okay, they know they're in the safety of school and they have their peers around them and the teacher's kind of, you know, in charge. I, I give so much credit to te- I mean, I, I know I was a pain in the ass when I was a kid growing up, but man, I have one at home and I'm trying to teach him and I'm like a classroom of 18 to 20. I don't know. Give them all the monies, man. That's all I'm saying. Give them all the monies. But it's been, um, it's been every day an adjustment, I think. And for, uh, you know, for me as a, uh, as a small business owner, um, as somebody who basically I, my operate, um, two podcasts, I have my company and it's all based out of home. Um, the challenge has been, uh, more than, uh, you know, just adding those other elements in there. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of weird challenging times that I do wake up and I say the exact same words. And I've, I've said those words on this podcast. I'm like, it feels like every day is a different episode of the twilight zone. And you can't, uh, you know, today we, uh, my son wanted to go and, and spent some of his birthday money at fleet farm. I don't know. Um, and, you know, having to check out, okay, what are the regulations? Can he go in? Does he have to wear a mask? Do I have to wear a mask? You know, what do we have to do in order to just do, go into the store for one simple object? Um, I was at Menards over the weekend, and and if you have ever watched a zombie apocalypse movie, it feels like that's what it looks like, or a movie about an outbreak. I mean, it's mandatory masks. There's no kids there. It's um, Grocery stores are, are, are the same way. You know, uh, Woodman's just uh, implemented some new... Uh, some new regulations as far as one person per household going in. So, all the things that we we just did every day: uh, wake up, take the kid to school, do whatever, go to the store, uh, run and grab a bite to eat, grab lunch with a friend. You know, when all those things are gone, man, do you you're like, man, I really didn't realize I missed going and sitting down and having a burger, you know, for lunch and and. and or going out you're like, oh, well, there's a concert. Well, I don't know if I want to go. You know, now you're like, I would give anything to pay way too much money for a beer at a concert right now at this point. Cause you know, everybody's getting to that. What are we, are we six weeks in now? It, it, uh, five or six weeks into, uh, the safer at home order. It's, yeah. you can, you can kind of tell it's taking a toll on, uh, on people's, uh, psyche, but, I want to, there's so many different branches from this. I want to, I want to kind of lead off into, um, you know, I'll start with, uh, when you do have, uh, an order, you know, the stay at home order that's in effect right now, and you have, uh, individuals who are used to, uh, being at work, uh, you know, being apart from their spouse, uh, every day, being apart from their kids every day, um, coming home. I mean, the, the routine of the day is not, Twenty-four hours uh, minus sleep of of all being together in the same house. Have you seen or heard? Um, you know, I I know there was uh, there was a report that came out that was something like the domestic violence cases were were actually down in the state. But I've also uh, and I had a, a conversation with somebody about th- that too, and I said that's I'm not sure I buy into those those statistics because you have now not an opportunity for a case to be reported you don't have that okay he's at work or I have time away now you're just kind of trapped you know it feels like a lot of the underlying issues of maybe a a relationship or or a stay-at-home a family that now has to stay at home it it feels like it's it's iffy out there at best in some situations
1: yeah um Locally, I've heard that the domestics haven't increased at Mm -hmm. all, um, which is surprising. Uh, You know, it will be interesting to see the the statistics and and anything subject to open record requests. So at any time, people can request that information. Um, I I think the the thing that concerns me is those people that don't have... um, the people that are restricted and limited to what they can do and not using the resources available mm-hmm. because of their normal schedule being impacted by this and the mental health and the, the suicide uh, rate, mm-hmm. um, is what's concerning to me. Yeah, it, I had heard a statistic that suicide calls to the hotlines are up over 800% wow. in our state. Wow. Um, I, I, heard that now, um, there's, there's actually the 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 rate of suicide could potentially pote- uh, pass the the rate of the the COVID nineteen deaths here um, soon. So that's very concerning for me. Yeah. Um, and to get those people the resources and the help, and for them to realize that you are not restricted or limited to reaching out for that help mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I've encouraged people on, on um, Facebook Live and stuff, I, I've given out my phone number and said, if anybody needs help, call me. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is, mm-hmm. um, even if you just want to talk and vent and scream, yell profanities and tell me where to go, which has happened numerous times, <laughs> um,
2: yeah.
1: it's it, it's just part of the job. Mm-hmm. Um I, I can tell you, I've been sworn at more as a politician than I ever was
0: in law enforcement. So <laughs> that's um, that's saying something, man. That that is a this is a surprisingly bold statement, but I, you know,
1: it is. And oh, and just the meanness. But I, I think it it, it the, the, the 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 domestics. It'll be interesting to see that statistic once everything uh, settles down and and restrictions are lifted and these. Um, we have our, our freedom back. Yeah. Um, the It's just the, the other things involved. The ripple effect of this is going to go way beyond, because you're talking the impact on our kids, you're mm-hmm. talking about the impact on adults, and you're talking about the impact on the elderly and the overall impact on families mm-hmm. when they can't go see their loved ones in the, the nursing homes and the assisted living facilities and restrictions imposed there and I totally support that don't get me wrong right. those that are part of the vulnerable vulnerable populations need to be taken care of and we need to take that that part serious mm-hmm. but just all the other things and it, it's it truly is startling mm-hmm. and and um, I know the resources are available to those that are hurting. I just wish that people would take advantage of them. And that's where we as human beings, again, we need to say something, say if we see something, we need to say something and we need to act on it. And we need to, to be that person. Even if we feel totally uncomfortable to, to do something about it and, and get that person the help that they need. If you don't feel comfortable being that person Mm -hmm. then contact somebody that is comfortable in doing it and, and let's get the help to those people that are suffering.
0: Yeah. I think there's, um, you know, a lot of underlying mental health, uh, obviously you're, you're an advocate, um, uh, and, 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 have been, yeah. uh, for a very long time, but you know, it's not, I don't see it's something that's gone that it's wasn't thought about, but I think you have those who have suicidal tendencies or have those thoughts and now they, now they're in seclusion and know, maybe they, live alone or even if they don't you know that's obviously you know uh, a mental health issue that you could be in a house full of people and it could still be something that affects you i think people that have dealt with addiction or overcoming addiction not having the, the uh the out the resources the, the resources like, i think like you mentioned i mean they're there but they're not there i think when uh, how they are accustomed to being there whether that's aa or whether that's you know group counseling or one-on-one counseling You know, so when those things aren't available, especially for somebody, you know, people who are recovering, um, addicts, uh, it's, it's a tougher pivot, I think, um, because it takes away a routine and something that's like, okay, I know I can go to this meeting. I know I can go to this, um, this individual one-on-one, be face-to-face. If they're looking at me and I'm looking them in the eye, I know that I'm, I'm going to be able to make it through that day and not, uh, and not fall off, um, my path. So, you know, a lot of these, you know, we're going to see a lot of these statistics come out after, um, after we're kind of all let out of the gate here. And it's, uh, it's going to be a real, hopefully a uh, beneficial eye opener for some more change to be made and some more resources to be made available and, um, and, and shine a, a spotlight on some of those, those issues that, uh, that kind of get brought up here once in a while. And then they, you know, uh, in at least in the mass uh, media or, or social media, they're, really big spotlight is shined on them. And then all of a sudden it goes away for a while. Hopefully, you know, this can be something um, that can, that can bring some more light to that. Now there's uh, there's that aspect of it. And there's obviously uh, and, and now I think having going through it personally and knowing that many people are going through this right now, and that's the economics of, of the stay at home order because of COVID-19. And it's a very uh, it is a very tough, fine line. And I don't know if, if there, I don't, I don't think that there is necessarily the perfect remedy. You know, I don't think that there is, uh, there's not one thing. And, and you know, this from uh, not only from public service, but also from, uh, from the political arena, there's never going to be something that satisfies everybody and makes everybody go, okay, this makes sense for a multitude of reasons. You know, people don't, uh, people are starting to hurt. And I know going through the process of being a small business owner, uh, we just launched, you know, late last year. So obviously I'm still learning how this all works. Um, we had achieved some level of success and, um, you know, really our main, our main income being, you know, salons and barbershops. Well, when the salons and barbershops closed down, that faucet got turned off and obviously that has led our, you know, the business aspect of it to struggle. Um, you know, I think that the, uh, they have done a great, uh, having the, uh, the stimulus bill that passed, and obviously the uh, the act to to get some more assistance in the unemployment department for people like me, for independent contractors, for those who are typically not eligible for unemployment. I think that I think the theory of it was great. I know going through the process of it, it um, you know when you're really hoping for, I want to say immediate relief, um, but you are hoping for. Um, basically we filled out our stuff we sent our stuff in and we have another 30 days to wait before we know if we get any money you know and it's i think that's the struggle i think you see these small businesses that are brick and mortars that are struggling i think you're starting to see that transpire into some some angst and some political i don't know if it's unrest yet but there's definitely um there's some movements that are out there where people are starting to make their voices heard about what they think about the current uh, state of how the uh, the economy is doing and and that Wisconsin should open back up. So there's again, there's no right answer. And I just I'm interested to know where what your feelings are on on how we're how the the economy is going to progress in the state of Wisconsin um, from I mean, really, to get through all of this. And then what's the other side look like?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'll have the exact answer. And I apologize for if you're hearing background noise. My daughter's obviously deciding to eat some lunch right now. Um, my, my
0: kid's upstairs testing out a new weather radio we just got at Fleet Farm. I feel like Fleet Farm should sponsor this awesome. podcast. Feel free. Jump on board. <laughs> I plugged you twice.
1: Um, you know, I I, I was blessed because I started this my my first – legislative session um, in good times, good economic times with an awesome budget and a a surplus and a rainy day fund that was continuously growing, which obviously helps Wisconsin um, with this virus um, and and us being fiscally responsible with uh, our dollars. Moving forward, now, it's going to be extremely interesting seeing the, the impacts that this is going to have on our budget moving forward as a state, um, what, the, what the overall priorities are going to be, if, if there's going to be a shift and we're going to, you know, our, our focus is going to be on, okay, if this happens again, how are we going to prepare for it and what are the priorities and um, what does it truly look like moving forward? We're going to hurt. We are going to be hurting. I think all across our, well, the entire world is going to be hurting, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, primarily the United States with the the stimulus packages that are, well, the the package has passed and now, you know, more potentially coming, uh, these are decisions that impact the future of, of our children, Mm -hmm. um, it, it's truly scary. Um, I don't know if, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the right answer is mm-hmm. throwing money at everything. Uh, obviously this is showing that, um, you know, that old cliche saying that the, the money is what makes the world go around. Well, you know, at some point we have to determine how much money we are going to throw at this. Right. And, um, you know, for the, the sanity and the, the sanctity of our business owners, there, there just seems to be, and I'm just throwing my opinion out there, mm-hmm. there seems to be a lack of logic and common sense when it comes to Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, in, in my opinion, I think it's truly scary that, one person can control our life like it is being controlled. Um, Mm -hmm. our small businesses, I'm a small business owner myself. Um, and we're, we're being impacted by this. Uh, I think there are common sense, logical ways to approach things, whether it's on a regional basis, a county by county basis, Mm -hmm. whatever the, it looks like, um, We seriously need to come together, sit at the table, and determine what is in the best interest of Wisconsin. Moving forward, let's just get through this hurdle, well, set of hurdles, I should say, and ease some restrictions. Because Mm -hmm. what happens in Milwaukee with them their, their cases isn't what's happening to us to us locally. Right. And I, I take issue with that. And even what's happening here locally isn't happening in Northern Wisconsin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, there, there's just, I think there's easier ways to look at things and just it's, it, one side is making all of the choices and Mm -hmm. decisions. And I think collectively as a unit, we could be doing it all together. And the more people brought together, yeah, it can bring some chaos, but it brings different perspectives, different ideas. Uh, And that's the thing that um, bothers me the most is there's a lot of issues that I've been trying to address within the 68th Assembly District, Mm. the unemployment benefits, that is my number one email that we get is how come we can't get through. Mm -hmm. Um, and my response is, you know, I have some compassion and understanding because the executive branch is the first time going through this as well. And our governor, you know, he's, uh, He comes from the world of education, Mm -hmm. school teaching, stuff like that. Um, He's not very familiar with incident command systems and incident management and and stuff like that. So you have to rely on the people around you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that's even something where I'd reach out to him and say, you know, Governor, you have people within the legislature that are familiar with these experiences and we can bring our perspective and ideas in helping our law enforcement, fire, EMS people, our first responders that are going to these medical scenes Mm -hmm. and be a part of that conversation. And I know that there's probably more highly trained people in this cabinet that have the answers too, but they may have the answers would apply to Madison and not necessarily getting the rural northern Wisconsin perspective. Um, And that's just where I, I battle the most is there's, I've reached out, my office has reached out to the governor asking for solutions, asking for asking questions on behalf of the people and trying to get the answers. And I think that's one of the biggest frustrations is, um, I haven't heard back. Right. And, and that's very frustrating for me as a legislator, when the people are expecting me to answer their questions and I'm trying to get the answers and I can't, yeah. and I'm not. And I, that's one of the biggest things I get yelled at about I know for unemployment, they are adding personnel on down in, in, in the Department of Workforce Development. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're hiring people on to not only answer phones, but they're also hiring process claimers on the other side to um, meet the demand of mm-hmm. the amount of unemployment uh, filings that have been taking place. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's things being worked on, and I guess that's the stuff that maybe not – those answers aren't getting out to the people, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping through social media or podcasts like this, that the people listening will understand that this is a work in progress. And um, it, it is one of the biggest things that I've learned is when government wants things to go fast, they go fast. Mm-hmm. But if government takes their time in doing things, which is most of the common theme right. that government moves slow, well, it also can move slow as well. So, um, I, it, it's devastating for those that are still waiting. I just received an email last night from a beautician a salon, um, a stylist that she's still waiting for, she can't get through for unemployment. So them are the things that keep, keep happening and then like you brought up the meetings for those that are in recovery and those that are drug addicted or alcohol abusers and Mm. um you know how can we get those resources and you know i think a lot of it's going to be through most people have phones i'm participating with this um on my cell phone right now because my daughter was doing her school work at the time on the computer downstairs so um there's ways that we can help those people, but they have to also be willing to do it and have the, the resources and seek those resources out Mm. through technology right now, because that's something that everybody seems to have. Well, not everybody because broadband internet accessibility is an issue in our area as well. So that's a whole different topic, but uh, economically wise, it's, um, we're going to be going through some hard times. I'm going to say that straightforward. We're going to be hurting and um, we're going to have to push through this together, Mm. but we have to, um, we have to start opening things up. We have in a safe way. We, we all know how to do it. We've already proven that we can flatten the curve together. Mm. The same things can be done. People, business owners are smart. I don't, you know, we have big box stores that are open and yeah, they're even making modifications to their entrance and exit requirements. Well, our small business owners can do the exact same thing.
0: Right. You know, I think that's been uh, a touch on some of the topics that you, or the things that you brought up, you know, from the, the unemployment uh, angle of things. And I know it's, it's a challenge for, for everybody right now. I have uh, not only myself, Um, family that's, that's trying to to figure this out, you know, family and everybody coming from kind of a different, uh, trying to get regular unemployment, unemployment benefits and trying to get, uh, you know, the new, the PUL stuff that's out there now. And, and everybody looking for this extra, you know, $600 that's supposed to be in there. Some are getting it, some are not. So I know there's a lot of angst right now towards, um, towards, you know, that department because I don't, I think it would have been fine Had we been, I wouldn't have had any issue um, waiting. You know, we basically mid-March, the faucet got shut off for my company. um, And I was like, okay, we will be able to kind of maintain for a bit, uh, work on some new things. And I think that's, you know, a lot of small business owners have been doing that, taking this time to kind of say, okay, let's, we have some time now. We can kind of think of some new avenues, new ways to uh, reach our, our clientele, you know, really, you know, for those maybe who aren't 100% tech savvy, okay, well, let's look at learning something about the internet. You know, I took some time to learn some do some things with my podcast, uh, as far as the live streaming stuff goes. Um, but from the business part of it, I mean, there got to be a point where they said, okay, this, uh, the stimulus act, the CARES act that's out, um, here's how it's going to work. Uh, and there was a lot of waiting. And I understand and I think. I don't want to say most people understand, but I think the average, the, the common person who puts thought into it goes, okay, they're they're having to implement a new back-end computer system into how this works because it's completely different. And then you get to a couple of weeks and you go, they can hire some smart people. you know, They have the capabilities to bring on some IT guys that can figure this out and to put this program into use. And then you get to the application process opening up. For small business owners who have already been struggling, who've already had uh, their finances uh, in dipping into savings, draining savings, you know, trying to keep, you know, their business so it can come out on the other end of this, go in and go through the process of applying, which, which, you know, it's it's not easy, but it's not the most difficult thing you'll probably have to face over the course of uh, uh, during this. But and then you get all right. Well, it's going to be another month. And I think at that point, when, when we got that message, that we'd done it all right, you know, we went around went about it the right way, sent in our stuff, uh, you know, faxed it in. Which you know how difficult it is to find a fax machine. It's more challenging than you would think. they seems like they used to be on every street corner, like you know, like rotary phones. They used to be everywhere now, or, or pay phones. They used to be everywhere now. You can't find one, but um, but then to get a message back that says it's going to be another four weeks before not even before, uh, before we have an answer, you know? And so you, when you start to process that and you go, it's been 45 days, now we're into 75 days. And when you start to math out where you are sitting financially, not only for your business, but also for your family, you go, this isn't this, you know, it's unacceptable. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to apply for unemployment. I don't, I want to be working my jobs and, and, and getting my stuff out there, working on new stuff, growing, you know, looking at a brick and mortar, trying to, uh, you know, take my personal business to, uh, to the next level. But unfortunately that's not, uh, not, a- not able to happen right now. So you, you run into that, you run into, I think watching too much news and you see, Oh look, Georgia just opened back up or, Oh, Texas is opening back up tomorrow. So you, you even though you, you know, smart, you sitting by yourself and thinking about it says, I understand every area is different. I think we talked you know, like you talked about. There's a difference between, you know, Dane County and there's a difference between Chippewa County and Eau Claire County. There's, you know, differences in how how the virus is is spreading. But you see that, and you're like, well, they're getting, they get to go back to work. Here I am going. Well, our account's about to run out of finances in a couple of weeks, and I don't, you know, and I don't see any, you know, saving grace coming in uh, to help us out. So I think there's, that's where I think you know when that that turn happened. I think I was. I started to watch, you know, the, the, the protests happening in Madison about the open, the state back up. I think a lot of these business owners, like you said, are very smart. We can figure it out. There's ways to, uh, to make things happen. I mean, if you can walk into, you know, you can walk into Walmart and seemingly that's cool. Um, I would question that even during non COVID-19 times, like you probably should wash your cart down. Like if you go to Walmart, you really just probably should do that. Um, so yeah, there's there there's, there seems to be a lot of uh, tension building. Do you feel that from your seat as well? That that uh, there's both sides of the uh, hey we should be staying at home uh, to those who say let's get things open back up. That that there's there's a uh, there's some there's some tension there.
1: Yeah, in the beginning there was um, several emails. Well hundreds of emails mm-hmm. that come through saying support the, the flattening the curve efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I, I, I supported that. Um, we, and that's what this whole process was about in the beginning. It was mm-hmm. about flattening the curve. And then obviously we're continuing learning more and more about this
2: mm-hmm.
1: moving forward. Um, however, When the, uh, well, on my birthday, happy birthday, uh, when the governor extended the order to May 26th, which will be a day I won't ever forget, Mm -hmm. um, hundreds of emails flooded through within 24 hours. And um, if I recall correctly, I want to say there was less than a handful, and I want to say specifically three, that said, can, please continue supporting this closure of our state.
2: Mm.
1: Please support this lockdown. And that, that's exactly <laughs> what lockdown. Right. Um, all the rest where we need to get back um, to reality, get back to opening up our economy. Um, because just as I stated before, the money does make the world go round. Mm. part of um, everything touches everything else. And, right now we're hurting everybody's hurting and I think people are getting to their wits end um just for the record I'd like to clarify uh, something because I've been I was getting some emails over the weekend and and into yesterday um about how people were sending me emails and how disappointed they were in uh hearing about me going to the rally in Madison on Friday um those people are wrong. Um, I did not go to the rally, um, on Friday. Um, I was home here working on constituent. Um, those that people live in the 60th assembly, there's, there's things that I have to work on. Um, mm. there's a family in triple right now trying to build and they're battling with the DNR regarding wetland issues and stuff. I was uh, working on that. Mm. Um, it, so and obviously I have a campaign to worry about as well. Right, And I was working on getting signatures, meeting people, um, those that would give me permission. So that was my Friday. My Friday wasn't spent in Madison. So, um, I, I <laughs> that, that just bothers me when yeah. people make that assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that's fair by any means. Um, and yeah, there's a boiling point, mm-hmm. even internally in myself, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm truly reserving on what I, I, what is boiling up inside of me. Right. Um, I'm getting to the point where enough is enough, yeah. and this insults us as citizens, as human beings, thinking that we can't take this on ourselves, that we can't fight this COVID with all the safety parameters mm-hmm. and restrictions and control measures, preventative measures, sanitizing all these things. We went through an election and I got slammed for the election on April 7th. Right. And now the studies are showing that, wow, our election really didn't compromise those in Wisconsin. Yeah, they said there's a few increased cases in Milwaukee. But overall, when we all united together and we made sure the safety was first and foremost for all those that chose to do in person voting. Mm-hmm. I worked the polls. I cleaned the tables and the chairs after everybody voted. After every single person voted, we sanitized everything
0: down. Mm-hmm.
1: It was the, I mean these the polls were cleaner than our Walmarts and Menards are and mm-hmm. Woodman's. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. We can do this together. We can do this as responsible human beings as citizens of Wisconsin in a safe safe way and manner and that's where I just find it so insulting that our governor thinks that we can't do this, or Secretary Desney Andrea Palm thinks that we can't do this. Mm-hmm. Our local county public health officials um, think that we can't do this, right. and we can. Yeah. All of us can. I mean, yeah. it, it it just gets me going. And see, yeah, don't now give, I'm going to start going on a rant. And don't don't
0: get me started on the uh, <laughs> on the county health department. I uh, my son's birthday also uh, was was last week, and um, and there's uh, obviously he's 10 and and as much as he's handled most of the situation very well and it's been pretty easy to adapt I mean 10 year olds think of birthdays differently than when you get really well kind of past 22 you're like whatever but you know there's there's not you can't go to you can't go to the park you can't go to the trampoline park you can't go to the arcade you can't go to the pizza place you can, so the laundry list of things you can't you can't have a bunch of friends over you know you can't do the things that a 10-year-old wants to do on his birthday so we had a parade and there was a post out that i was tagged in that uh, from from the county health department that says you know parades are considered unessential travel and i said i didn't say but I thought in my mind, very loudly, I said, I'm going to have this bright. I you know I told the people that were in it, I'm like, hey, this, just so you know, this statement's out there, but we're going forward as as planned to try to make a, make the best of of, a, of an unbright situation. And I said, I, I'm going to film it because I think it'd be cool to see, you know, my kid having some happiness on, uh, on his birthday. And I you know there was 15, 20 cars that came by and. Most of them were wearing masks, and I was like, you know i I don't want to see my friends in the Altuna Police Department. I probably know who they are. I probably know if they were to swing by, I would probably tell my son that they were just here to add some ambiance to his uh, his parade. Like, look, the police showed up. How great is that? But uh, but no, I, I I have a I have some reserved thoughts about about how it's being handled on a local level as far as the uh, the county health department. And a lot of the things that you stated, like you, there's the the contradictions that are out there about what we can and can't do. Um, I look at a lot of friends that that have restaurants or in the restaurant industry or the bar industry. I'm like, these people are A-plus at sanitizing. That's really what they have to do. So you add another couple layers to it, and uh, you open some things up more. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy for the— uh, the delivery and the curbside pickup, I think that's been a, a great addition. But you can't tell me that that going to pick up something from a local restaurant is okay and considered essential travel if I have food in my house. But going to a parade for a ten-year-old is non is non-essential travel and therefore forbidden. You know, I think I think we're smarter than we're getting given credit for at this point.
1: Well, you're familiar with the efforts of a, a local young lady that reached out to our health department. Are you familiar with I'm, her?
0: I'm not. Please please okay.
1: so this is this is an issue that I'm taking on and we did reach out to the governor's office on Friday for clarification
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and asking for him to clear this up for our state because there's a young lady that lives in close proximity to both of us. Mm-hmm that reached out to the county health department and provided an essay on how important it is for these teacher parades to take place so that the teachers can see their students mm-hmm. and the, the mental health benefits of this taking place. And still, I, I personally don't understand on how, if you do a car parade and you're in your driveway on how you could get contaminated. Uh, maybe if somebody, sneezed out their window at you or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. This is the, the absurdity of this type of stuff. And this is why people are getting confused Mm. and basically ticked off because of these double standards that are being put in place. But this young lady reached out to the health department and they responded back to her that they had collectively as a group decided and mind you, this is the Eau Claire City County Health Department, mm-hmm. that teacher parades would be considered essential for the educational and mental health purposes of the students. However, other parades to include any kind of celebratory birthdays, mm-hmm. anniversaries, etc., would still be considered non-essential and violating the stay for at home order. Mm-hmm. So this is the type of decision making that's going on collectively as a group, hmm. and that's why people get confused, and that's why people get ticked off. Right. And actually, I put the response the email response on my representative uh, Facebook page, and that has been the highest response out of uh, any kind of shares that people have viewed it or stuff. I mean, right. I, I, the last time I checked, it was over seventeen thousand people had seen this, and the comments on there are heated yeah they're very heated because Mm -hmm. this is why people get ticked off because those in government and this is why people hate politicians Mm -hmm. but mind you these are the public health officials are unelected officials right they're not even elected making these decisions for the betterment of us in our community but they don't make any sense right and that's the problem and so kudos to you um i i did see the 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 parade my wife pointed out the, the parade of cars and you know if i guess if i would have paid attention i would have loved to have been a participant in that as well Oop, did i just say that
0: no, i didn't want to get you in trouble you know i didn't well, want to, want to miss, please. All, the, all the signs <laughs> out there but but no i think
1: I, I will confess i've participated in in birthday parades for for people i think it's very important i think it's i, I think for, it is for uh the kids, it's it's very important.
0: It is. I think it's, it's it's part of a you know if it's a mental health thing and it's for the mental health of, the, of a of a student of a child, you know I think having that same effect would be, you know from a closed window of a car, being able to see his aunts for the first time in two months, you know or to see his cousins for the first time since they closed school down. I think it would that could have some sort of mental health benefit for somebody. On their birthday, but that's again, that's that's neither here nor there, and and we did it, and I think people also are getting the you know, part of that confusion and 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 rage comes from, is people will see this post by the county health department, they'll see the response that you posted, they'll turn on the nightly news, and they'll see the one heartwarming story they show during a twenty-two minute news broadcast is a great story about a kid who had a birthday, and how a bunch of people got together and police and fire and everybody drove by their house and waved and made them signs and they go wait wait a minute so here here in Ithaca it's like this heartfelt oh man community strong thing but here in in our area it's like um, that is that is not essential so the people are people are just they're confused they don't know and when, when you are confused and when there's two things that that don't add up you go well I like to raise my hand and and start to question who's making these choices for us because uh, uh, nobody wants decisions made for them in the first place. They want the groundwork laid out and let people fortify their own homes and their own businesses and and do as 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 free Americans should be able to do. And now when down to the silliest things like don't drive by my house in a choreographed line. You can drive to Walmart in the choreographed <laughs> line just don't don't happen to be driving down a residential area otherwise that's non-essential maybe they're all going to the same store who knows okay. that was hypothetical my hypothetical theory that yes. was gonna be my story uh, so we Aim are no we are into um getting into the end of April here into May so a month and a half or so um as we have been through in another uh month or so a little less according to the current standard of things Um watching the the protesters uh, and yes Jesse was not there. he was not there on Friday, so stop thinking that he was. He doesn't have a doppelganger down there hanging out on the streets with signs so but what is there any is anything going to change the current state home order for May 26th? are we you know those who are down there those who are pushing the envelope, those who are like me who are who are really starting to lean heavy into this there's you know I as much as I want to protect, my friends and neighbors and the elderly and, and the rest of the population as a, as a concerned citizen and human of earth, we're getting to dire times and, and it's, it's not going to, it's not as as the days go by, it's, it's not going to progressively get better. Should this stay at home order continue until the end of the month? What, what are the, is there any out? Are we kind of just, are we locked until uh, the end of next month?
1: Well, um and it, this is where it gets interesting. So the, the governor had issued his order as the governor mm-hmm. under the emergency management statute, which is chapter three twenty three. And that's where a lot of people online are still asking about why the legislature wouldn't go in and rescind his sixty day order um by joint resolution. And <clears throat> Yes, we could still do that, Mm. but it's not going to accomplish anything because he saw what was on the horizon and has now given Secretary-designate Andrea Palm all the authority Mm. under her chapter, which she is authorizing under Chapter 252. Well, there's no 60 days and stuff like that um, for her. So, this is where the lawsuit that was recently filed, well, last week it was filed. Mm-hmm. And I think that the governor has till, I think he has till today mm-hmm. to file a brief with the Supreme Court, which means basically his response to um, the Republicans filing this. And, and people need to remember they say, oh, it's been now it's political and stuff. Well, yeah, it is political. However, the actions that we are taking are on behalf of the people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: On behalf of you, on behalf of myself, on behalf right. of all those families that are affected, that are small business owners, well, that are business owners, period. Right. The, the farmers, the, um, our school, our students. Yeah. I mean, our UW Eau Claire, all these students, it, we're representing the people. By trying to get clarification, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put it as simple as possible. So, Secretary Desney, Andrea Palm is governing or giving issuing these orders, like her Order 31 about uh, the uh, the Badger Bounce Back mm-hmm. Plan. Yeah. So that was her. She's she issued that under Chapter 252. Mm-hmm and extending the extension to may 26 was also well let me double check uh, that was um i want to say that was her order as well mm. because she signs the bottom of these uh, and i know 31 the badger the badger bounce back plan is hers mm. so basically What that means is you have an unelected official that has more power than our governor, Hmm. than the legislative. So the governor represents the executive branch, Hmm. the legislature, who is the legislative branch, and then you have the judicial branch. So all three branches of our state government have no say And the orders that she is putting out there Hmm. now she does have authority. Um, and she can govern, um, uh, public health issues. Hmm. Like for example, and this is what I commonly say, it's more meant at the local level to where to get the state resources into if Altoona school district ended up having a chicken pox outbreak, Hmm. Well, that would be something that our public health department would be involved with, but they'd also probably bring in the state so that they could declare a state of an emergency mm-hmm. and the secretary designate or the the DHS secretary, who's currently Andre Palm, could issue that state of emergency for that specific local public health emergency. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to find out, and we're asking for clarification from the Supreme Court ruling, is with the, the administrative rule process to define the intent of our state statute that exists to see if she does have that type of power mm-hmm. to basically control our whole state. Yeah. And she doesn't answer. She, she answers... I mean, she's unelected, so she doesn't answer to the people. Hmm. That's the problem. Hmm. Our government, the, the, you know, the, the governor always uses this phrase, and I've used this recently, in every single email almost that I send out to the people, he always says in his speeches, if you listen to it, the will of the people is the law of the land. Well, that's exactly to the truth. Right. That's how our constitutions were formed, the state and U.S. Constitution. It's about the will of the people. My question would be, is Andrea Palm truly representing the will of the people right now? And then that's what we're basically asking the Supreme Court to rule on. It's on behalf of the people. It's not a political... um, Partisan thing. It's not a Republican versus Democrats. We're just asking for clarification to mm-hmm. see because if she does have this much power, we're all in trouble. Yeah. Because this could be extended on indefinitely, in every single rule or every single order that goes forward. She could do anything and everything. Yeah. And this could go into next year. And that's scary, and that's why I think we have a right to ask those questions and to ask for clarification. I think that's very fair, and it's part of process mm-hmm. to protect the people.
2: Yep.
1: And it's really that simple. I, I try I just explain in normal terms so that people can understand what we are truly trying to do. And I think it's very valid. I think it's a mm-hmm. valid point. I think we do need clarification, um, because that's why, like we as a legislature, we can take action against the governor, but as a legislature, we can't take any action against Andrea hmm. Palm because there's nothing that says that we can. Right, and that's very concerning.
0: I, I think uh, thank you for breaking that down in that in that manner because I think that what happens is people read a headline or they see a headline, or they hear a news story, and it's uh, obviously, it's, everything is written for clickbait now. They want you to read the whole story. It's all based on monetizing the back end. It's, But they read something, and obviously, yes, it, it says Republicans, and it, it makes it, it clearly tries, attempts to make it political. And I think that there right. is a, um, when you understand what the intent is, and the, the logic behind it and, and what you're trying to get clarification on, because it's something that I would have never known until until you just explained it to me. I would have been like, well, yeah, she's probably got some sort of, oh, no, she, she has the con right now. And that's, I think, as somebody who votes for um, elected officials, as a, as a populace, as a country who votes for elected officials, you want to know that the people that you elect into said office um, are in charge of making decisions, and if even if that person makes questionable decisions that that other branches of the government are able to intervene and have uh, not even intervene at this point, inquire and want full understanding of what, um, of what's going on, that, that those, you know, that's how, that's how the machine runs. That's how, you know, that's how the gears fit into place. And that's how, um, you know, the people are protected and, and their, their rights are protected. And and when you're in the midst of a a pandemic and, and everybody's looking for answers and, and, and an out and, when is this going to? I don't want to say end, but what is the next phase? How can we implement some new ways of doing business that that are that make sense logically? That maybe makes sense more long term. We just want to know, you know. And I think there's when you have when you have confusion, and you're seeing this in in Wisconsin. I think you're seeing this in in many other states that are going through this. You know, people are confused and they're confused and they're starting to run out of money and their their families are starting to be severely affected by this, whether that's financially, that's mental health wise, nobody wants to sit at home all day. Nobody wants to be trapped inside the walls of their house. Um, You know, I think you start to want answers. And when those answers are met with, I want to say a a too bad, so sad, you know, mass response from, from those who are uh, on the cameras and in charge, but if it's not the answer that that really helps you, okay, now I have now I have some clarity. Now I know that this is this is this. And here I know that I am going to be able to make it till here, and then I can wait for another answer. When those aren't happening, people start to get antsy, and when people get antsy, they start to protest. And when those protests again, if they fall on deaf ears, you know this becomes this becomes a a different issue. It, it, this makes the issue at hand even worse. If we get to a point where people are. Outraged to a point of—I don't want to say you know bad things, you know—but you start taking away people's rights and freedoms, and now money, and they're—that's all of those things that we have worked for, all of the rights that we have as citizens, and you—we're not able to uh, pursue them. Uh, things can get heated really quickly.
1: It's a recipe for disaster.
0: Absolutely, and we're already in the midst of one as well. So, uh, Jesse, I'm going to let you go on this, but I um, thank you for for all the time and stuff i think here you can come and come and say hi we dropped your name a couple times hello hi how and are this you this he still he still has I just ju- got this new radio it's super duper cool went to one of those big box stores and picked it up it's okay we hand sanitized after we got out yeah <laughs> still again I love it still has the sign still he's got the sign in his room and he's he's Representing, uh, but you have a lot of stuff going on. I know, uh, but people um, can follow you on on Facebook and uh, also your website. What we're going to do is we'll put those in the show notes of of the podcast. So if you're listening to this on whatever platform, just open up the details part of the podcast, and you'll be able to link uh, directly from your mobile device or wherever you're listening and and go and uh, and uh, see some of the posts Jesse's put up. Some great informational stuff that you've uh, you've put up. The the sharing of the the response was great. I, I saw that the other day too in my post parade. Uh, triumph I'm like it happened I'm sorry yeah, but amen. but no thank you for the time and for uh for clarifying a lot of things and 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 kind of helping us have have a little more understanding of what what's going on on that uh on that political arena of how we're gonna get out of this and and hopefully man I, that that last statement you made man is my mind is just going in a million different directions right now with uh, uh with what's happening in Madison. So I, I appreciate your time, and it really it means a lot, and I know that those listening are um, going through all the same stuff and needed some answers. So you provided them, and I thank you for that.
1: Eric hey, Cooper, hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. A lot of good stuff there. Jesse James, 68th District Representative, the state of Wisconsin on the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. I thank you for listening. Hopefully, you gained some knowledge out of that. You know some more things. You're able to kind of decipher exactly, well, maybe a little bit more of what's going on. I think we're all kind of still living in a land of confusion. That sounds like a Genesis song. But alas, thank you, Jesse, for joining the show. You can follow the show, by the way, on all of our social media platforms. We are everywhere, including on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're on Twitch, at No Limit Cooper. Also, my personal instagram page at no limit cooper i post my like weird crazy life that i live uh, but the podcast also is everywhere and thank you for listening on whichever podcast platform you're on remember if you subscribe you will get updates every time we drop a new episode leave a comment that would be awesome let us know what you think we love feedback constructive criticism whatever it is you've got leave it on uh, the comment section of the podcast on your preferred platform until next time, uh, we will the elbow thing. We'll do a forearm smash because uh, we, uh, we can't quite embrace it just yet. But thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Stay safe, be well, until next time.